So Justin and I decided that we're going to do a little experimental episode. We're going to pick one place in the world and we're just going to deep dive, look into all the costs, look into the quality of living, everything like that. Everything you could imagine that you kind of factor in when you're thinking about moving to a place. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. But before we get into the meat of today's episode, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What's going on, man? Hey, Cody. Yeah, luckily, this last weekend had a very uh, COVID-friendly activities, which was the NFL playoffs, gave a, a lot of enjoyment for myself. So, um, just spent some time with some close friends that we've kind of gotten a group that we we spend our time with and we watched the NFL playoffs. I did have a, a frugal win, which was uh, getting a new cell phone, which a lot of people think, oh, my God, a brand new cell phone. They're like $1,000. But what I always do is I'm a Android guy and I've been on the Samsung train the past few years. And if you're just trade in last year's cell phone, they'll give you like the new cell phone plus all these accessories and things for like 100 bucks. Uh, there's no contract or anything. So I literally traded in my Samsung S20 and they gave me uh, $700 off the $800 price tag for a Samsung S21. They also gave me like this really sweet like uh, battery pack that charges as, as fast or faster than most wall outlets. They gave me like some smart cams I can put like like security kind of cameras for the house, like a controller, some access to online play, like subscription um, a case for the phone, which is always annoying to have to like buy a new case when you buy a new phone. So like ready to go, no new accessories needed, comes with all this extra stuff. And I actually ended up getting two because uh, I had a an older phone, an S8, which they don't give you as much credit for. But I went ahead and uh, traded that in too because of all those free accessories they give you, I think I can package it with the new phone and sell it for a premium on eBay and make more money than I would have just selling this old cell phone that I had sitting in a drawer. So just something to keep in mind out there if you're looking at new phones. How about you, Cody? This is a total aside, and I'll definitely tell you what I'm up to, but this is the one thing. It's like, you know, it's Samsung sounds awesome. You get a really cool deal, but how much are you sacrificing for not going Apple? And maybe I'm completely wrong because I've been on the Apple train for so long, and you're shaking your head, but I'm sure there's people listening who are like, that's the sickest deal ever yada yada but i cannot part with my iphone i love those blue texts coming in am i missing out on anything and if not like why is samsung the better way to go yeah well i mean people are addicted to the blue text and i would say that's probably <laughs> the only thing that apple has going for them is their tech service which to me it's not so much of a like look how awesome of a job apple did i just don't understand why android hasn't moved to that kind of format because really all it is is facebook messaging dressed up as your text message like it's messages that are going over over data versus your normal cell signal, which is the real distinction between like a text and a multimedia message, which is really what iMessaging is. It's basically just Facebook chat. No, I mean, Apple makes a good device. If you don't really like to mess with things and you're not worried about having the latest, greatest like functionality, um, if you go back and look, they paraded around when they came out with Apple Pay, even though that is just NFC payments, which have been around for five years before Apple came out with it. I had it for way longer than apple did uh same thing with like gps navigation like true turn by turn i don't know if anybody remembers cody you might be too young but the old <laughs> uh the blue dot you're trying to follow around on the navigation that was like terrible because they didn't have the satellite like uh receiver in the phone 
Android's had those years before. A couple years ago, uh, Apple had a whole press conference about how you could swap out keyboards. Like, really? Like, that's the technology you're, you know, pushing? Uh, they have solid cameras. They have a solid iOS. Uh, it's stable. But you're always going to be waiting for those newest, like, really features that the technical community are pushing out. So I would rather take something that, you know, you could call it beta, but, like, you're getting access to stuff that Apple's probably going to make you wait three years for. Um, so that's the way, that's what I like to do. Plus, um, again, that value you get, yes, the resale value is not as good, but if you stay on this train of kind of trading in through some of the companies, like yeah, you can actually keep a brand new cell phone for a fraction of, of the cost. And I think it's the reason why you see a lot of iPhone users walking around with like an iPhone four or whatever, because they're like, I can't pay a thousand dollars for a new cell phone. All right. Well, fair points, Justin. I know you're the tech guy in this relationship. So I, you know, I always lean on you for any tech advice, you know, all the latest gadgets. I know that's your five splurge if you had to pick one. Um, But back to my weekend, I guess, and kind of what's been going on. I was on the same watching the NFL playoffs train, went snowboarding this past weekend, which is super fun. And, you know, looking forward to kind of getting the most out of this winter snowboarding on the slopes. In other news, if you've been listening to you know some of our more recent podcasts, I finally got the last unit down in Connecticut tenanted for so all my rental units now down in Connecticut have people in them, which is super great. It's kind of a you know better cash flow machine now than when there's vacancy. And yeah, so everything's been going pretty good. But I don't want to talk about ourselves too much, Justin. Let's get into today's episode. We're going to be talking more about living at like an expat, you know, living in a different country, see what options are available to you, taking advantage of geo arbitrage. If you remember the last two episodes, we had Mr. Nomad Numbers and then Jim White on. So Justin and I decided that we're going to do a little experimental episode. We're going to pick one place in the world and we're just going to deep dive, look into all the costs, look into the quality of living. Everything like that, everything you could imagine that you kind of factor in when you're thinking about moving to a place and then just kind of compare and contrast. We'll kind of rattle off, go through each category. But before we do that, let's take a quick moment for our sponsor. 2021 is here and that marks a fresh start for all of us small business owners. So whether you're shifting business hours, hiring more remote employees, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And to lend a helping hand, the first job post is actually free. And with over 700 million members worldwide, if you've ever been on the you know employer side of LinkedIn, there are just so many solid candidates for basically anything that you're looking to hire out. You can post a job with targeted screening questions to make sure you're getting the right people right off the bat. And LinkedIn will quickly get your role in front of the most qualified candidates. You can manage your job posts, contact candidates from one single view page. The platform is super easy to navigate. And you can actually do this all from your mobile device too. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash show. Again, that's linkedin.com slash show to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Cody. So when we were thinking about doing this little mini series, like we mentioned in the intro, we had a couple other kind of geo arbitrage, like how to maximize where you live to save some money type episodes. We thought let's round it off with a kind of case study where we both get to pick a location and kind of dig in and look for some facts. So I'm curious, where did you pick and how did you go through the process of picking it? Like, what was your thought? Was it somewhere you've never been, somewhere you have been, like somewhere you think would just be cool or somewhere you could actually see yourself living for a bit? So there are some limitations and that kind of went into me factoring where I was going to pick. I ultimately ended up going with Santiago, Chile. Now I have been there before, but it was for a pretty short stint. If you guys listened to the podcast last year during pretty much all of November, I was down in South America and parts of December uh, in Peru and Chile. So I'd stayed there for probably about a week in a really nice apartment by the beach. 
super affordable. The just quality of life, the people were so nice. The weather was amazing. And obviously I didn't, you know, during the seven days I was there, I didn't do the real digging into like how much would it actually cost for me to live here for, you know, a 90 day stint, which is the amount of time you could stay there on the regular visa. But that was kind of the, the reason I, I picked it. I mean, the weather is just beautiful all year. People are super friendly. Most people speak some English, even though it's predominantly Spanish. Healthcare is good. It's a first world country. Like I just kind of checked all the boxes. Uh, how about you, man? What was the, what was kind of the uh, the thoughts going through your head when you were picking your place? Yeah, so I decided to pick a place that I thought was a little bit more of that we would put in like a vacation category, like not just a place. Uh, like I think sometimes, even though Mexico's got some beautiful places, or maybe Guatemala or whatever, like there's certain places where you think, yeah, it's probably really cheap. But would I be excited about going there other than the fact that it's cheap? And 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 that you should be, but for some reason. There's maybe some kind of like mental blocks around certain areas. And so I tried to pick a place that sounded like, you know, a little bit more like a, a tourist place, like a place you would love to go just to check out, to check out the history and the architecture and the downtown life and and things like that and not feel remote at all. So I went with uh, Porto, Portugal, which we were actually supposed to be going to, me and Leslie, in September, uh, but COVID had to have us cancel those. So you've got kind of to me a little bit of best of both worlds you've got a jumping off point into the rest of europe you've got the ocean right there you've got a great downtown with a lot of like beautiful churches and architecture you have the wine country uh, a great train system that can get you around as well that's very cheap and in that wine country you get some of that beautiful kind of outdoors perspective so um and and the weather was pretty solid too. It's not super warm, but it also never gets really hot. Like most of the year, you're looking at that kind of low to mid 60s up into the mid high 70s for your high. So um, it, it's a little cooler than maybe I would necessarily pick, but it's not cold by any means. Like you're not gonna have to worry. You're not gonna have to worry about like snow or anything like that. And as you mentioned, there are obviously some barriers about how long you can be in a place. Uh, with Porto, you can stay there 90 days out of 180 days on just your normal passport. Uh, but we did look into some things and saw where, you know, if you're bringing enough cash into the country or um, you can kind of prove that you are self-sustainable through like reoccurring income, which a lot of people in the five space will be, uh, that you can get full citizenship. So that was pretty cool. All right. So I think, I don't know, the, the way I kind of want to tackle this, Justin, is probably, I mean, we're obviously numbers nerds and we're always like looking at our expenses, how much we're spending, is just to kind of start with like the big three. So, you know, when, when you were looking into Porto, I'm sure you might have looked at, you know, multiple different types of housing options. What does it cost for like, you know, say a month of living there in an apartment? You can, I don't know, you can specify the size and how many bedrooms and whatnot, but, you know, what was the kind of the range you were looking at? Yeah. So when I took this experiment, I kind of took it through a personal feel, you know, as a couple, we would be going there. Um, and the Airbnbs I were looking at, I was specifically looking for places that were like downtown area where I wouldn't need a car. Um, I really wanted it to be in a very walkable place with public transportation nearby, restaurants and things nearby. So I didn't pick something remote that was the cheapest. So you would see places, you know, maybe in the like kind of mid 700s, but right up there in like the low $800 a month is where I started seeing, you know, these really nice brand new looking places um, with the kind of amenities I was looking for right downtown. And so also, again, looking from that kind of personal lens, I've priced everything in like a per person type thing. And so I'm assuming dual occupancy, you and, you know, a friend or a spouse or a partner, um, which would be like $416 a month per person is the place I was looking at or $833 per couple. Um, and that's the Airbnb I was looking at, which again, 
was uh, right downtown, had a place where you could park if you needed to, but super walkable, came with Wi-Fi, came with all the utilities, came with, uh, you know, the toiletries. So that's another big thing to keep in mind. You, you also have no bills for your home. It's that is all in. That's pretty good. I was going to say, if there was bills, that's not as cheap as I would have thought. But just because you're not paying for, you know, electricity, heat, all that stuff, that that's a pretty solid price. It's 800 something. For Santiago, Chile. So I found a place that was right downtown in Santiago. Again, for the same reasons you were talking about, Justin. So I can either take an Uber or a bus or a train anywhere I want to go. I don't want to have to have a car and park it there, pay for car insurance. Actually, I didn't look into car insurance. I'm not sure if you need to have car insurance down there. Um, but nevertheless, so it was $510 for a one-bedroom apartment. And this comes with parking, laundry, gym, barbecue, a pool, a hot tub. That is not including utilities. And the average utilities at this place, it said online, was 135 USD a month. That's electricity, heat, cooling, water, garbage. Um, if I were to bump that, that up to like a two-bedroom, if I wanted a spare room, if I, you know, if Justin and Leslie were coming to see me, it was about another 150 to 200 per month. And then it was like 900 per month for a three-bedroom. So, it's, I mean, pretty affordable if you're, you know, adding people in. If you have a three-bedroom, you're traveling with three of your nomad buddies, you're looking at $300 a month, which is crazy. Um, and then, you know, maybe another couple dozen more dollars in utilities for other people using your stuff. But that was a pretty good all-in price for me, six thirty-five a month for housing. And I know you mentioned Justin, like transportation. You you know you have the I'm not sure if it's buses or trains or taxis or whatever. Did you have like an kind of an average cost of what that stuff like like you know how much would it cost you in a month using that stuff? No, so I didn't get into that research. It's a good call, Cody. Um, I know that based when we were looking to go there uh, on like a vacation, that their train system that goes across i mean you know europe is like it's going across countries like it's these you know fast nice trains were just a few dollars like it was not very much money um so i expect i don't expect that cost will be very much especially since really you're in this city center where i think i would be walking or biking to 90 percent of my time and then it was just when i wanted to go on these more kind of destination type things where i'd be getting on the train because i don't even think i the place i was looking at i wouldn't even need a bus to do things like you know, grocery shopping or go to restaurants. Um, it, it's just, you're right there in the middle of the city. So um, I don't have a specific number to throw out there, but I do not think it would mess up your budget at all. Yeah. And I mean, in the case you take an Uber, I can't imagine it would be more than like 10 bucks to go, you know, 30 minutes away. It seems like it's a pretty relatively low cost of living and transportation. Um, when I was looking at Santiago, it, this is what it was a expat survey. And it said they spend an average of $150 per month. Now, I'm not sure how much these people are traveling, but, you know, expats do like exploring a lot. And, you know, maybe they're not as apt to take a walk or a long walk as you or I would be, Justin. But I'm more than happy to walk, you know, a mile or two if I have to go somewhere where someone else might just opt for an Uber or a bus or whatever. So I was guessing in my calculations here that I'd probably spend around an average of $100 per month, $50 less than this survey, just because, you know, I am have a higher tendency to maybe bike and walk some places. So, yeah, not too bad at housing plus transportation. I'm looking at like... $735 a month so far. <laughs> so you talked about kind of general transportation, but when you're looking at it, did you look at more of a an actual travel perspective or did you just kind of feel like that while you're over there, that will be your travel? Or did you imagine, hey, I'm going to be here for three to six months. I might actually want to travel to a different part, a different country or a different part of the country. Yeah, that's a good question. So South America is obviously a little more spread out than Europe would be. Like when you're in Portugal, I mean, you can just pop to Spain and France, like wherever for pennies, like on Ryanair or whatever. Um, the flights there are pretty cheap. So there are flights from like, you know, Santiago, Chile to Lima, Peru. And that was the flight I took. And that was like 60 bucks. And, you know, that's a pretty affordable flight. 
Um, but there are flights just kind of around South America as low as $35. So you could go from like Santiago to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, you can kind of pop around most of Southern South America for pretty cheap from Santiago because that, that's pretty far down closer to the equator. Um, to get back up to New England, because I was obviously factoring those costs in a little bit because I can't live there full time, unfortunately. They do have the 90-day visa requirement, plus you can pay $100 for another 90-day extension. So max is out at 180. I'm going to have to come back to New England at some point. Cheapest flights I could find kind of just using Google Flights and scanning for prices was 385 round trip to get back to uh, New England. Well, I guess it would be one way. So and, you know, depending on how I'm booking these flights, if I'm booking them, if I know exactly the dates I'm leaving, um, that's that's not a crazy amount of money if I'm staying there for six months, a $385 flight. And I know we've talked about this a ton, Justin, kind of like spreading out the costs over a longer trip. That's the awesome part of slow travel. If you're spending $1,000 to get to, you know, Bora Bora and you're staying there for five days, that's $200 a day you're paying for those flights. But if you're spending $1,000 to go to Australia for six months, now it's pennies per day, which is just, you know, a whole world of difference. What's the uh, what's the kind of the cost to get from? Well, I guess now it's Austin, Texas for you, which is a little further than New England. But what's kind of the cost to get to Porto from there? Yeah, like you said, it's a little further because when we were looking at flights uh, last year, we could have gotten flights to that actually went to Porto, stayed for like five days, and then went all the way to Amsterdam, and they were only like three hundred bucks um, from Austin. They are a little more expensive, so I was looking, and it's about six hundred and seventy bucks round trip to go to Porto. Uh, but once you get there, like you mentioned in Europe that's where kind of the awesome part opens up for you to be able to travel within the country or within the continent. So I, I just looked at a few different places that were pretty cool flights that popped out to me at really low cost. Um, you can fly to Paris for as little as $25 on like Ryanair, as you said, which I'm just like, what? Like, I don't like, I can't get an Uber to a, you know, to a French restaurant for $25 and I can fly to Paris for $25. Um, you can fly on a, maybe a little bit better airline with luck with luggage and things like that for $46. You can fly to Barcelona for $49 and uh, you can fly to Milan for $53. So, and it just, there was a list that would go on and on for this kind of $50, $60 price range. And so um, when I was looking at it, I actually did put in $200 of travel a month. So I didn't really get into the kind of day-to-day transportation, although I imagine that would go under that same bucket. Um, but I just went ahead and threw $200 worth of budget in there for travel because I felt like I would be really tempted being in Europe to pop over to some of these other countries. And I mean, that would allow you to do a weekend in a different country like every month, which is crazy. I mean, that's something that, you know, in the States, we obviously, uh, don't get to do because we're such a big country. Living the dream, man. Well, something you mentioned there was French restaurants and something I did some looking at was just like restaurants and groceries. Like how much am I going to be paying to make myself not starve or at least eating pretty good. Cause I'll probably be eating pretty good if I'm on a you know, mini vacation, slow travel type thing. Um, what was the, what was the kind of cost? How did it compare to what you're spending now? I know obviously your groceries are like notoriously the most low in the five community, but you know, what did the, uh, what did the average groceries look like? What did restaurants look like? Yeah. So like, like you said, with the groceries ones, mine's already so low here. Um, so when I was looking at their prices, um, they actually looked, as cheaper, cheaper than ours, but I was trying to be fair. So even though like I only spend $60 a month in the United States, I know that's a little crazy for people, but since these prices are even a little lower on a lot of things, I, I, I budgeted a hundred dollars for groceries just to, out of fairness, um, for just groceries, not eating out, but just groceries. I did grab some, uh, like I actually went and found a flyer of a local grocery store in 
Porto because I know sometimes you find articles and they give you like general grocery budgets. But I, I wanted to actually look at uh, no kidding this week, you know, January 21st, whatever. I looked up that day and looked at the flyer and uh, saw they had, you know, chicken was 260 a pound. Apples are 90 cents a pound. They had pork for $1.30 a pound. A fresh loaf of bread was 75 cents. A bottle of wine was $2.50. Um, a 16-pack of toilet paper, which is actually one of the cheapest things to me. I'm pretty sure this is pretty cheap. was $4.50. $4.50 for 16 rolls of toilet paper, which <laughs> I guess you may not need if you're staying in an Airbnb, but that just kind of jumped out to me. And then I also did look at some restaurants, too. And I put that budget up pretty high for this because, again... I'm trying to think through myself, but also think through a reasonable lens of, you know, when people are going somewhere like this, even though they're staying there for three months, six months, you know, whatever it might be, you're naturally going to be in a little bit more of a vacation mode. So I said, how about I give myself $175 a month for eating out? But restaurants are really cheap. I found one restaurant that had uh, like every day you could go and get a, a soup sandwich and a drink for $6, like a local restaurant. And then I found this one restaurant that was cool because it was actually one Anthony Bourdain had visited and been to, and they had martinis for that would have come out to be a dollar eighty, like after you convert the currency, <laughs> and uh, a steak sandwich for four dollars. And I'm just like, again, I think one hundred seventy five dollars is really o- being very generous. I think that's overshooting it because these prices are lower than ours, and you know I typically don't spend that much here eating out. So all that is to say, I think it's gonna be fun when we get to the wrap up. Like I think. We're both being very fair and conservative here, and these numbers are still very attractive. Yeah, kind of the same story in Chile here with restaurants and groceries. So groceries were probably about, on average, for the stuff I typically buy, which is we eat like fish and vegetables, beans, eggs, um, like healthy versions of pasta, fruits. We make smoothies and stuff. We don't buy too much meat, don't really buy any like snacky type stuff. We usually spend... 35 to 40 dollars per week in the u.s and it was looking like 25 to 30 in chile so you know knock 60 or sorry knock 33 percent off of our normal grocery bill that's look that's looking like what we'll be spending in chile and you could probably do that same conversion for whatever your diet is and whatever you spend per week but that's kind of what myself and lauren spend um and then restaurants this is the cool thing and this is kind of something i learned when i was there you can get like a you know, a simple meal at a cheaper, you know, not not a luxurious restaurant for five bucks. Like you can get a burger and fries for five dollars at like a restaurant just sitting down, which is pretty cool. And then you go to like an upscale restaurant, you're paying, you know, nine or ten, <laughs> which which is which is just absolutely insane. I remember one night we went out and we went to this like quote unquote fancy sushi place. It was really nice. I'm just saying quote unquote because it was so much cheaper than I thought. And it was myself, my friend Zach, and Gabby. And we got just an obnoxious amount of food. I think we got like 12 sushi rolls and like three or four drinks each. And the total bill was $75. <laughs> like in the US, this would be like $350 meal right here, but Santiago, Chile. So, like you said, Justin, I was being more generous. Like it's, I could go and get a burger and it's $5 every time I go out, but I did set my restaurant budget at $250 a month just because, like you said, I'm going to be in vacation mode. I'm going to be wanting to eat out, trying, experiencing all these different foods that I've maybe not tried before. Um, so that's pretty much everything. And like you said, during the wrap up, we'll kind of maybe we can just hit on all our numbers one more time to remind people what we have here when we when we wrap up the totals here. I guess one more thing we haven't really talked about, and obviously this is probably something we'll need if we're still doing things like podcasting, talking to friends at home, is like phone and internet. What kind of options did they have in Porto? You're gonna have to change over your carrier, you know, sign up there, or can you do some kind of plan where you just use your existing carrier in the U.S.? Yeah. So the what I was looking at was actually to go to a a plan that is from there because it was just so much cheaper to 
get a SIM card from there. Now, the internet that I would have at the house, the Wi-Fi would be included with the Airbnb, which is great. And via that, you know, I can do things like, you know, if I need to call people back in the United States and not worry about any kind of long distance type charges that one side or the other may incur, I can do calls over the over Wi-Fi, which don't charge you anything because it's not using the cell network. So that's one great option for people to keep in mind, whether it's using WhatsApp or even just on your phone. And if you're ever nervous about it, this is probably just like a pro tip for travel in general. Put your phone into airplane mode and then cut the Wi-Fi back on so that you know that there's no cell uh, going on. And then you can still call someone if you have a Wi-Fi signal. So if you do that, you know you're not using your cell data, the data that is controlled by Verizon or AT&T or whoever or any of their towers like you're only using the the Wi-Fi internet, so you can't get in trouble there. But anyways, the Wi-Fi from the Airbnb is included. When I was looking at the plans, they had four or five different carriers. I went with the one that was supposed to be, I guess I would equate it to like the Verizon of the United States. Like it's the, the biggest coverage, the most advanced, which I think was Vodafone. But a, a rate would cost you on like a month to month plan because, again, you probably don't want to lock into a yearly plan. Um, was it was 22 gigs of data, which is a lot, and um, all the calls that you want to make. And it was $18 a month because they're running this, I guess they're constantly apparently running this promotion where you're paying for 12 gigs of data, they give you 10, and then it's unlimited calls. And it was uh, $18 a month is what that came out to be. Not too shabby. So I kind of ran two scenarios here. So it's, you know, whether or not I stayed in an Airbnb or like an apartment where I know, I know some apartments probably don't come with internet. So the phone plan just alone, the phone plan is $20 a month for like their best phone plan. I f- totally forget the name of it. I'm blanking right now. Um, phone and internet, the bundle was $45 a month. And you, you, that gives you access to high speed Wi-Fi. So you're talking like 120 megabits down. I think Justin cracked me with tech terms. I think that's the right term I'm using there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, solid phone and solid internet coverage for $45 a month, which is not bad at all. Like, I mean, I, I couldn't complain about that. You can't find a deal like that in the U.S. And you're also using some budget providers or you're, you, you know, you're really tactical about it. So, um, yeah, that's phone and Internet. What other costs are we looking at here? One other cost that I looked at, and I'm not sure how deep you went into this with was healthcare, or at least just the quality of the healthcare. Like if I, you know, jump off a cliff and break my leg, am I going to get taken care of in a solid way or am I going to go to the worst hospital service ever? So what I found out was that Chile ranks 33 out of 190 countries that are basically on this like healthcare rating scale. And just to give you some context, that's right next to Australia and Denmark. So like that's pretty solid first world health coverage. Um, I was looking into the like a healthy adult expat insurance. And for someone my age, I'm 25 years old and I'm healthy. I'm looking at like 100 to $120 a month in expat insurance. Now with expat insurance plus like this, they're basically basic insurance that they give to people in the country. It's a lot more generous than the U.S. is. I'd literally be paying like $120 a month plus maybe if there's some weird copay or something that wasn't quite covered, but this stuff is so much cheaper over there. Like I was just looking at, you know, cost of average stuff and it looked like most procedures were maybe 25, 20 or 25% of the cost they are in the U.S. So, you know, healthcare is looking pretty good right now. I'm spending between dental and my regular healthcare, I'm spending like two forty-five a month, which is still really low, but I'm young and healthy. Um, but it looks like I'll be spending even less if I'm just doing the straight expat thing. But again, <laughs> this is kind of just the Chilean expenses. I'm not taking into account the healthcare that I'd still be paying for at home for when I come back to the United States. So this is just kind of an extra cost, but that's, that's what I'm looking for. How about you, Justin? Did you, did you get, find any numbers out there? 
Yeah, it looked a little bit. I mean, it's hard to get like, um, you know, really exact numbers, but it was definitely looking extremely cheap. And I think one thing that, you know, makes you feel a lot more comfortable is that, you know, emergency care is free. They do have like a public health care system, like a tax funded health care system. And so if you're under 18, things are free. If you're over 65, things are free. Then it's really cheap in between. I saw something saying, you know, you could be looking at like $40 a month if you wanted to get on a plan. Um, there might be some small co-payments, but the healthcare system is supposed to be really good. Like everything I read was it's very extensive and high quality. Um, but this is a lot different than our U.S. health system where it is more tax funded. But uh, again, I think that biggest safety net is if something really bad happened, you had to go to an emergency room. Uh, you're most likely not looking at a bill whatsoever. So, I mean, that's huge, right? That's a, that makes you feel a lot more comfortable. I mean, from my personal situation, um, I have some healthcare through the VA, which I could use over there if I needed to. So I wouldn't necessarily have to pay anything, but for like, if Leslie was with me, you know, she'd be probably looking at from what the research I could tell was around $40 a month because she doesn't have, you know, any chronic illnesses or anything like that. It's just kind of a standard plan. Well, that definitely sounds pretty similar to what I found in Chile. And again, I'm definitely not a healthcare expert, so I don't want you to go there and think you're just completely covered. But from what I read, like you're pretty much all set if there's an emergency. You won't have to be paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars out of pocket like you might have to in the US if you don't have the right coverage. But Justin, I think, let's see, look at my list here. I think that concludes pretty much all of the categories I wanted to talk about. I'm sure maybe we can add in like entertainment or random stuff. I don't know if you did that to your budget. I know I added a little bit of just like random entertainment type expenses in mind. Um, but I guess I'll just I'll run through my budget real quick. And then I'll have you run through yours, we can compare and then we'll tell the audience about our fun little experiment we did. So wrapping it all up, I had $500 in housing. And that was for a one bedroom apartment with parking, laundry, gym, barbecue, pool, hot tub, all the bells and whistles, 135 for utilities, so electricity, heat, cooling, water, garbage, uh, 120 on groceries a month buying the same stuff we buy here, 250 on restaurants, because I know Lauren and I are going to want to explore a lot. Uh, $45 a month on phone and internet, um, $100 on transportation, $120 on the expat healthcare. Now, you know, I'll put a little asterisk there because I will still probably be paying my healthcare in the US. So this is an added cost, but I'm just going to, you know, focus on Chile here. Um, and then I'm doing a very generous $400 entertainment budget. <laughs> so all in all, this is going to be $1,650 a month. That's for myself and Lauren with everything I just named, which equates to $19,800 per year. Justin, what are you looking at for your total cost after you rack up all your stuff? Yeah, Cody. So I broke this down originally looking at, you know, what my side of the coin would be if it was two people going down, which would be $416 a month for an Airbnb, dollar cost average that flight across six months, like 111 bucks a month if you're down there for six months, 100 bucks a month for groceries, 175 eating out, $200 a bit of like fly somewhere or, or do some extra travel while you're around. And that's kind of the entertainment, things like that. 18 bucks for a cell phone. So if you're looking at kind of like one person, that's $1,020 a month or a little over $12,000 a year. If you had on like a second person, based on the math I was doing, I was looking at just over $20,000 a year for two people um, in Porto, Portugal. Well, this is going to be very fun then, Justin, because we both looked at, you know, a couple comparable cities that you can live in in the US. And it looks like we're literally right around the same mark. I'm at 19,800 and you said you're just over 20K. Um, so I'll, I'll read the three I found. And those were Cleveland, Ohio, Akron, Ohio, and Toledo, Ohio all have <laughs> total annual cost of living 
in the $20,000 range. Like, you know, it's one's like 20,300, 20,400. So if you're thinking about moving to Ohio instead of Santiago, Chile, go for it. It's the same exact cost of living. (laughs) What did you find, Justin? Yeah, I was looking at some cities and some of the ones that were coming across that were in the same kind of areas like uh, El Paso, Texas, um, Des Moines, Iowa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is, is not too shabby. You know, Montgomery, Alabama, like these are all like fine places. But, uh, you know, I think if you're trying to choose between there or maybe this really cool European city, um, it could be at least worth, you know, putting your house up for rent and giving it a go for three to six months and seeing what it's like. You know, hey, then you get to actually try your hand at two things. You get to try a new country and you get to see if maybe you'd like being a landlord. Alrighty, Justin. Well, this was definitely a super fun episode. I had a ton of fun digging into what it would be like to actually live in Santiago, Chile for a little bit. And I'm sure you had fun kind of checking out Porto. Hopefully we do get to start traveling again and go to these places and actually, you know, relive real experiences with real costs and pictures and share all that fun stuff. But if you guys enjoyed this episode, you want to, you know, learn more about Santiago, Chile and Porto, Portugal, you can check out the show notes at the slash travel study thefiveshow.com slash travel study. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefiveshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefiveshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.